You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Episode 155 of the Antler Up podcast. On this week's episode, Demetri and I, we were joined by Jared Schaefer from Tethered. And Jared resides in West Virginia. And over the last three so years, he's been on a freaking roll and have been on some truly amazing hunts. So we kick this episode off with Jared sharing some information about how and like really what has led to his success over the last two years, killing nine bucks in various states like Ohio, West Virginia, Iowa, to just name a few. So to wrap up though, our out of state hunting talk, Jared brings a wealth of knowledge to this episode. We talk about how Jared manages his short and extended out of state hunts. We discuss what he prioritizes during these specific hunts from scouting, cell cameras, topography, and everything in between. This is just a great conversation regarding out-of-state hunting and hope if you are on the fence about doing one next year, this episode helps you out and just go do it, man. Just go do it. And for the second half of the episode, we discussed Jared's Iowa hunt for from this past season. We plan on doing a few episodes with hunters from either out-of-state or within residing in within Iowa to talk about those Iowa giants. So he shares this whole trip from how many points it took him to draw this tag, the critical role Rendell Eric played, and just getting boots on the ground and doing his calling to get the biggest whitetail to date. Great story. Way to kick off our little mini Iowa chat and to wrap up our out-of-state hunt. Jared's a wonderful dude, awesome family. Check him out. Also check out Tether Nation. And before we get into this week's episode, the Great American Outdoor Show in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is going to be coming up here soon. The next like four weeks, I believe it is. But I also wanted to just chat with you real quick about the Pennsylvania chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, which is a vibrant and growing grassroots organization of outdoorsmen and, and women. BHA members advocate for public land hunting, fishing lands and waters, and they work to maintain and improve access to places to hunt and fish through advocacy projects, through boots on the ground projects. 
they also speak up for wildlife and hunting in within our heritage, within our area, guided by the North American model of wildlife conservation. So if those ideals resonate with you, join them at the Great American Outdoor Show. Learn more about BHA, their programs, and what really is in store for 2023, including the fight for Sunday hunting, which they'll be at the booth 4707 in the Outfitter Hall. So go check them out. Some really great people that I've had a chance to meet over the last like four years through various you know, whether it be the outdoor show or other shows and local kind of meet and greets and stuff like that. But also on February 10th, join them at the Appalachian Brewing Company after the outdoor show for their backyard bash with special guest BHA president and CEO, uh, Lantani. So definitely check more at their Facebook, Instagram for RSVPs, but check out backcountryhuntersandanglers.org backslash Pennsylvania. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. Other than, obviously, we know Iowa you killed. I mean, are, is there any deer left in any state that you hunt? Because you, I mean, the last two years, dude, you've, like, killed every single one. Yeah, it's been, the last couple of years have been good. This year was really tough. Um, I hunted a lot this year, like, probably too much, to be honest with you. Um, I, you know, I, I did start the year off in California on a backpack hunt, killed a blacktail. So that was really cool. New species state um obviously killed in iowa um killed in west virginia but other than that i've still got a pennsylvania tag i've got an ohio tag um other than that yeah i uh i did kill this year it was a good year i think i killed four bucks and two does so yeah definitely a good year but i hunted and <laughs> put a lot of time into it it was a struggle but uh definitely a, a good season that's awesome, man. Well, you had what five bucks last year? Uh, five bucks and a giant Sitka stag. So yeah, yeah last year just epic. Yeah, <laughs> man. They're now they're the seasons that you dream of. Yeah, yeah. See, <laughs> that was my probably my mistake. I went into this season thinking that I'm just going to keep it rolling from last year, and it started out that way, but it just it kind of fizzled out in the middle. But it's you know it's going to be hard to top last year. It was just you know one of those seasons you dream about, basically. Yeah, this this year was a little bit different. Like just talking to a bunch of different people uh, from all over, you know, depending on. And you didn't necessarily hear a lot of like, especially during the rut time, like, man, it's on fire. Like it, you didn't really hear a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, everybody that I know, you know, I know a lot of really good hunters that know what they're doing. And a lot of people struggled this year. I don't know what it was. It was just like, you know, it, it was a struggle just to get on deer this year. I don't know if you guys experienced that or not, but I, I know I did here for sure. Dimitri didn't. Dimitri killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was on he was on fire he he had your 2022 dream season this this year as well so um well yeah you have to hurry up man i, I dimitri i don't know if you've noticed a lot of people uh either posting or or whatever 
about some bucks already dropping their 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 headgear like early like a couple weeks ago and so it's it's i don't know what if it was the the dryness earlier in, in the year that we had uh i saw like steve shirk posted something about it a couple a couple days ago as well so yeah it, i've i've seen i've had the last couple days young bucks on camera like i actually had the other night three of them like taking turns battling each other which was kind of cool to still see that them going i'm like all right well somebody drop a horn there so that way i know exactly where it is even though it's not that big of one but still it's a it's it's bone but yeah i'm we'll see i just want to get some uh some more uh food in the in the refrigerator and stuff yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, Jared, let's kind of jump into it, man. We had the opportunity to hang out a bunch of times over the summer this year in, in Colorado yep. and Pennsylvania and stuff. And, uh, man, you were – it's so neat to put – obviously, you watch videos on Tethered and you see yourself and you see the success that you have. And, you know, every, and this kind of goes for everybody from Tethered, but you, you guys are all down to earth. And when you really <laughs> – talk about like a family atmosphere and, and friendships and bonds. And, you know, those are things that I'm, I'm very grateful for. And, and you guys really see that. So it was really awesome to, to hang out with you and, and get a chance to pick your brain and talk hunting and all that stuff. And like I said, leading into this episode, we're, we're going to kind of wrap up the whole out of state hunt. Like we had our buddy Tom on two weeks ago, kind of the process of how, where he begins like stacking points and his process of doing that. Demetri and Ian last week talked about their out of state hunt. So with you, Jared, like over the last couple of years, you've had the opportunity, like you said, go to California back to back years, all that type of stuff. You know, what, what is like your, the first question I guess would be like, what is the difference between your approach to like a short term and a long term hunt? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I can kind of go into it kind of comparing hunts from the past couple of years and then compare it to this Iowa hunt where I kind of threw like all, I was going to throw all of my time into this Iowa trip just because, you know, you only get a tag every four or five years. So I'd kind of planned for the long game for Iowa where I you know went out there and I was prepared to stay as long as it, as it took, you know, obviously I didn't want to be out there that long, but I was kind of planning and I had it in my head, like this is, this might take a while. So I'm kind of, planning ahead, looking at the hunt, you know, kind of as a, you know, maybe a two week ordeal. So, you know, when it comes to shorter trips, you know, four or five days, and I'll even do shorter ones, you know, where they're a couple days, even a day at times. Um, I really try to have my e-scouting dialed in as best as I can. Like I really spend a good amount of time, you know, looking at, at properties that I'm going to hunt. I'm identifying multiple areas that I want to target and I'm trying to set myself up that when I get to the area, I already, I know where I'm going to camp. I know where I'm going to park the truck. I know the way I'm going to access and then have these spots, you know, in my mind, I already have them figured out. So obviously it doesn't always work out that way where you go in and it's exactly what you think. Usually it's, a good bit different, but if you go into it with a plan, um, you know, a lot of times it does pan out and a lot of times those spots, you know, you might have to make little adjustments here and there, but a lot of times just by doing that homework, um, you know, just by e-scouting, 
you can get into the game fairly quickly on a, on a short hunt. So that's kind of my, my approach on the, on the shorter end of things. Now, is there certain features or, you know, things you're looking for when you're e-scouting? You know, I know for me this year, like with the first time I was going to a different state and never been there before, but obviously I I like to do e-scouting. You know, I really dive into that a lot, even here with PA, but I kind of know what the terrain's going to be like around this area. Now, as far as Ohio, once we got out there, you know, there's feature terrain features that I was looking for when I was e-scouting, but then when I got out there, you know, a lot steeper ridges, Greenbrier, you know, the landscape was a little bit different than I would imagine after e-scouting, um, which is going to happen if you haven't been there before, but is there certain things if you've never been in that terrain or haven't been in that state before that you're just looking for on the map? Yeah, so if it's an area that I've never hunted and maybe a terrain type that I'm not super familiar with, like maybe marshes or farmland or something like that, I really just key in on diversity, you know, areas that have multiple different edges. And then, you know, on top of that, just where other people might be hunting. So I'm looking for places that, you know, other people could potentially overlook or they're not going to put the effort in to get to. So, you know, if I, if it's a terrain type I've hunted, um, I kind of, you know, I kind of know what to look for. Like if it's hill country, I can, I can dial in on, on terrain features and stuff like that. But I also, even in terrain that I'm familiar with, I'm still looking for, for diversity. You know, I'm not looking at just big stands of open timber, stuff like that. Like I really try to just bypass that go straight through that and try to find that that edge and and get back into the thicker cover so if i had to put one thing it's going to be uh just diversity basically yeah that's the one piece that i feel like there were some areas that i found kind of like exactly what you said that open space kind of continued to walk through like the on the map it looked totally different and when i got in there this year like actually it was post i would say early august and like you said, found that edge and found some, some scrapes and just got better and better and had some really cool, nice deer on camera and, and saw one of them in this past season. So yeah, that was like one really neat thing for me to kind of change things up and get a little bit deeper into uh, that diversity of, of the terrain features and what kind of thick cover was around that, you know, is totally different than, you know, a hundred, 200 plus 300 plus yards away from where I access the, the property from. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's in, as you more and you hunt different terrain types, that's been one thing that's really helped me the past couple of years. I've got to hunt a lot of new stuff that I really hadn't had any experience with. So every time you do that, you know, mentally you kind of start picking yeah. up on things that you look for. So you can pick a spot out of state that you've never been to and be like, well, I kind of hunted a spot that was similar to this and this is what, what worked there. So it kind of all translates back and forth. And that's, that's when it really starts to help us when you get that experience. Um, now, is there an example you could give someone of like what diversity you're looking for on the map, just because, you know, you hear that term thrown out there all the time, but you know, someone that maybe hasn't figured that out, you know, if you're looking on that e map online or on your phone, you know, what are you looking for? It doesn't have to be specific to an area, but, you know, is there colors or is there, you know, what sort of key things are you you looking for uh, that kind of stands out the most to you? 
Yeah, so like in Hill Country, I mean, that's an easy example. You can really see where they've done any kind of, you know, timber improvement or timbering. Um, and that stuff starts to grow back up. You can really see that high stem count areas on the map. And if you can get one or two of those that are connected with a terrain feature, um, that's really what I look for. That's what I like to look for. So, um, like if you use Google maps or Google earth, you can kind of go back in time. I do this a lot on an area cause on X only much Spartan forge only shows you so much. So I'll get on there and I'll, I'll go back in time and I'm looking for, you know, areas where they've disturbed that ground in some way. It could be timbering or something else going on um i know in pennsylvania there's a lot of gas well uh you know activity that kind of stuff and i key in on that stuff because when they go into those areas and do stuff it just creates more browse for the deer so um you know that's one example that's that's kind of easy to pick up on on when you're e-scouting right no doubt about that and then jared what about like if you those that like listen to the podcast and whether it's ours and a bunch of other ones, you know, when you hear the out of state talk and, you know, you hear more of, you know, scout more, hunt less and all that jazz. When you get like those short trips, like you said, like it's, Hey, I'm looking on the, on the map. This is what I'm hoping for. You get there. You know, what does that situation look like? Especially those, those shorter durations, because even like for myself, like, it's funny because like you're saying like a four or five day trip is, is short. Like for me, that's a long one because of how right. many days I'm able to take off during a school week and stuff. So, you know, next year I'm, I'm right now I'm diving into Kansas and I know there's not a lot of public land in Kansas and everything, but I have the points and some friends were trying to get Dimitri and some other friends that don't, but maybe could pull it off in that first pull. But with that, those four or five days and potentially six, when you have that amount, what does your scout to hunt ratio or, I mean, obviously it depends on the situation. I get that, but what's your, in a perfect world, what would you love to do? So what you should do and what, you know, a lot of other people are, are good at doing is they won't hunt until they've scouted and they know exactly where to be. I am not good whenever I roll into a new spot, like I want to be in a tree hunting <laughs> as quick as possible, which is not the best thing to do. But you know, when you got the time, like you just want to jump right into it. But, um, so typically what ends up happening with me is, you know, I, I got all these spots on the map that I want to go check out. I'll, I'll go in blind the first morning in the dark, set up and just see what happens. From there, I may sit for only a couple hours. If I don't see anything, I'm getting down and I'm going to scout. And I'm, I'll am i run all day until, you know, I find something I want to set up on, which typically I do. I'll find something mid-afternoon and I'll just set up on it and sit the rest of the afternoon. And then if I haven't found something that I want to come back to for the next morning, I'll hunt that same spot that I hunted in the evening for the morning. And then I'll just kind of repeat that process where hunt for a couple hours in the morning, get down, scout all through the mid afternoon, and then try to find a spot for the evening. And then usually a couple of days of doing that, I've found something that I kind of start dialing in on and then just kind of go from there. But I'm as guilty as the next person when it comes to just diving right in and, and hunting. I know other people that, you know, Greg Godfrey, he's really good at going into a new place and not hunting until he has scouted everything. And I typically don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to that time. I, I forget where we were, which trip it was with Bobby. And we we're potentially looking at for Kentucky. 
and you know just seeing all the pins and everything that he dropped and you you could kind of see sense that and i remember seeing like a video too one time with greg like scouting before and he's like i'm not i'm not getting up until like we find what we need to find <laughs> you know <laughs> that's tough man like cuz like you said your your time is precious and we have that there's that i don't know that competitiveness or whatever you call it. It's like, I have to be up in a tree and hunt. And, you know, Dimitri, like, cause you guys talked about it on this week's podcast about you guys scouted it a little bit in the summer one time. But then like I asked in the, in the podcast, when you saw it then to where you saw it at the end of October, it's a different world. So, you know, that's a, a challenge, but you had cameras in there. So you knew there are deer and you saw a little, a little bit of sign and, you know, the first deer you saw, you guys both killed, you know? Yeah, and I think I think you do have that that sense of wanting to be in a tree. But I, I think if I, you know, would give any recommendation to anyone doing an out-of-state trip is just to, to try to do a little bit more scouting and, and not feel like you have to get up right away, you know? And I think even, you know, uh, for our first morning, we had a little bit of rain, so that helped us kind of, force us to do a little bit of scouting um because it wasn't good to sit anyway but you know take that you know um half a day or or so just to kind of learn the train and then if you find something worth sitting up on you know go ahead and do it but uh yeah i think especially if for morning sits diving into the dark we did that once even though ian killed a deer on that morning um you know we found a lot of really good sign on the way out that if we would have kind of either waited the first light when we left the truck or if we just would have maybe midday gone to that area and then just kind of scouted it out first. Um, I think we would have found a much better sign and put ourselves in better situations. So, you know, take that morning, you know, where you think you might be in a tree and you might just want to kind of walk around and, and scout for the evening. Flipping the script of whitetail, Dimitri, when we went out to Utah for us, we obviously that was a whole different type of, hunt like we thought we we're going to be backpacking in up on the mountain like you know camps on our back and it was not it was you know park the truck and drive around and see where where the deer are and we spent i think probably more time in the truck looking for mule deer than we did actually you know actually being out there on the deer it's just like you said it just depends on your situation and like you brought up a good point there dimitri when you said about like the morning and Jared, what is your, cause I talked to Bobby about this. Do you like that gray light of getting in maybe in a different spot in a new area or are you like, it's dark and I'm going to an area and if I get up, I'm oh crap. Like you figure it out from there. Yeah. I have to go in in the dark. Like yeah. I want to be set up like an hour before daylight, even if I've never been there before. That's just how I, how I am. I probably should wait till gray light, especially if I've never been there. But um, I guess I've just done that so much. Like I've been doing that for so long, just going in completely blind that I'm, I'm fairly good at it. Um, you know, obviously you're not always going to get a, a, shot, a shot at a buck like that, but I have killed bucks going in blind in the morning. Um, I would say that you're probably better off to wait to go in if you've never been there. But, you know, it just depends on the terrain. If it's terrain that you – you know, you've hunted that kind of stuff before and you kind of know um, how the deer are going to travel. You know, I think it's, especially during the rut, yeah. I think you're better run in there and, and try sit. But, you know, it just depends on the situation, I guess. So, Dimitri, I know you, this is one of your, 
uh, questions that I know I've heard you ask a couple times on the podcast. And, you know, I'm interested to hear it because Dimitri, I remember again, uh, referring back to that last episode, just cause it's so fresh in my mind, you guys were going through scouting before you guys set up for an evening hunt. And when you came to that scrape and you're like, like you smelt it, like you knew that was fresh. You that's good amount. Like that right there tells you, yeah, I got it. This is a good area. Like it, a deer has been through here or something might check it again here, but like you're out of state, you're going in, you're scouting, you find that little bit of sign. Maybe you can't quote unquote smell, but what is that right amount of sign, Jared, that you like to set up on? Like, what is that? Because, you know, you hear some people say rubs, I'm going by it. Ooh, scrapes that I'm going to set up on. And then vice versa, like people will do the opposite. Just what's like kind of your, okay, yeah, this is, a, this is hot enough for me. I'm getting up. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's big sign, like on a food source, you know, out on a field edge or something, I don't pay much attention to it. But if you start getting back into the cover, you're getting close to where you think they might be bedded. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start, and it depends on the time of the year, too. If it's early season, if you start seeing some rubs, you know, back in close to heavy cover or scrape early, I really pay attention to that because that usually tells me there's a bigger buck in there you know, that's starting to lay down some sign. Um, and it also too depends on where you're at in the country, you know, like in West Virginia here and maybe in Pennsylvania as well, it doesn't take a whole lot of sign to get me excited just because the bucks don't lay down typically a ton. But if you go to Ohio or Iowa, um, you know, I, when I went to Iowa this year, like I'd had it in my mind, I, I want to see big sign because that's what you see, you know, guys in Iowa rubs this big. <laughs> so, it kind of changes, but, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be big sign to get me excited. Um, like I said, it just has to be in the right spot. You know, I'm not, you see a big rub out in the middle of open timber, you know, it's a, it's a piece of the puzzle, you know, it tells you that there's one there, but you may not be close enough to that security cover to, to catch him in daylight, which is, that's what I'm looking for. Now, how about if you're doing that scouting, you're out of state, you know, you're not sure what's in the area. You're looking for that fresh sign and you, you come and you get close to that bedding area. And then you, maybe you, you bump a buck that it would be something you would typically shoot. Now, how are you going to play that scenario being out of state, having limited time that you may only have two or three consecutive days to, to hunt that deer? Uh, how would you play that scenario? So I actually did this exact thing in Iowa. We were walking through scouting this area and we jumped a really good buck. And uh, as soon as we jumped, we we looked at the wind, what the wind was doing. And we basically broke down that whole area. We walked, figured out where he was bedded at, figured out why he was bedded there, you know, because of the wind. Um, We figured out an access route for the next morning. And I went in there that next morning and sat right on top of that deer's bed. So I get more aggressive with it. You know, if I jump a buck, I'm going to figure it all out while I'm there. And then I'm going to try to be set up for when he comes back for the first time. So I'm typically more aggressive on a, on a shorter hunt like that. That's awesome. Because you, you, right before Dimitri asked you that you said, you talked about putting that, the pieces of a puzzle together and, Dimitri, we had Zach Farnbaugh on, and that was his thing about piecing that, like putting that puzzle together. And that's even going from like your entry route, right? Like where then like this deer's escape routes. So is that stuff that you look at, Jared, when you're putting this whole puzzle together and, and figuring out all this out? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to figure out as much as I possibly can while I'm there. I've already bumped him out of the bed. So, you know, he's already seen us, maybe smelled us or whatever, but yeah, I'm trying to figure out exactly how I'm getting in there. Um, which way he may come in from, you know, all of that, you know, everything you can try to figure out, um, you know, you're better off. And it, in my case, it didn't work out for me on that particular hunt, but you never know. It could have, you know, <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. What's been uh, one of, over the last couple of years, Jared, like a big learning curve for you with your out of state trips, whether it's planning or getting gear, what's been a huge kind of maybe a, a growing pain at first, but now is like kosher for you. Yeah, mainly just getting over the fear of going to a brand new spot like you've never been there. Yeah. Like that was, you know, before I really started hunting public land, public hunting public land is fairly new to me. I didn't kill my first public land buck till 2019, which he's hanging right above my head right here. But, um, you know, just the thought, you know, 10 years ago, the thought of just jumping in the truck and driving 10 hours to a place I've never been would probably just terrify me to be honest with you. And I think some other guys probably have that same fear. You know what I mean? Like you're going, you know, you're throwing all this money and time into a place that you've never been and you're probably not going to kill something. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So I would say just the fear of that is just, you know, overcoming that going to a place you've never been and then, you know, just break it down and, and hunting it and try to kill a deer. So that's been probably the number one thing. Yeah. What about a, something that's maybe made your life a lot easier throughout the whole process of everything? Just because again, it, it is a lot. And for someone that has the opportunity to hunt a lot of times out of state in a hunting season, you know, like you said, that person gets over, like we think of our buddy, Tim, our buddy, Tim just, yep, I'm going, see you later. He goes and has gone to Idaho, you know, we're all over the world basically. And you know, he's figured out his kinks cause he's been doing it for over 10 years. So like what has been some things that maybe made your life a lot easier? I'd say the number one thing is getting my truck set up so I can sleep in it. I've got all my gear in there. I've got that thing set up exactly how I want it. So no matter where I go, my setup is always the same. I know I've got a place to stay. I've got food. I've got everything I need to survive. And I don't have to, you know, I don't have to have a place to stay. I don't have to worry about renting or getting a hotel or anything like that. So over the past two years, um, that has helped tremendously. And it, you know, it makes these shorter trips a lot easier as well, because I've already got everything in my vehicle. So I can just hop in, roll out somewhere and just kind of do my thing and not have to worry about finding a place to sleep because I've got it with me all the time. So <laughs> that's been really helpful the past couple of years. Yeah, I like that. Well, I think in two, like you talked about being timid or, or fearful of doing it, but you know, for me doing it for the first time, I was that way. And you know, you're hesitant to do it, but I mean, if, if anyone's on the fence about, if you just do it, you, you learn so much even in that first, first time. And, it, and, you know, even if you, my suggestion would be do it, a cheap out of state hunt first, where something where, you know, you're just in a tent or you have a place to stay you know, and then you're basically, you have the gear. So you're maybe just buying the tag and a little bit of food. Uh, and then you're going to really grow and, and learn what it's all about doing it out of state because, you know, after you do it once, you know, even like right when you come back, you're like, man, if I would have just done this and this and this, 
a little bit differently. I think I would even put myself in a better situation and really would have figured it out. Then if you want to do it again the following year, I mean, you, you feel yeah. a lot more prepared, not just a little bit, a lot more prepared to really dive in and go after it that, that second year. And I think that's all it takes is just that initial learning curve of one year. Yeah, you're not going to have it figured out where you're going to be successful every single year, but you're going to feel more confident going into that just that second year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I tell people all the time, uh, just go do it. I get try to get a buddy to go with you because it's so much more fun when you take some with you, and then it, then it's not as scary, right? You can <laughs> you kind of suffer it, so you can find you know one buddy that likes to do that kind of thing. Um, man, just go do it. You learn so much, um, not only about hunting but just everything else because you're kind of putting yourself out there. You don't know what's it. You just kind of learn all these different skills you know besides that sounds like dimitri when you're talking i could just see how fired up you are already about ohio next year (laughs) yep it's just awesome like you but like you said you crack the seal you break it and you just go i think about the delaware trip just because like you said dimitri there are so many things where i'm like man i wish i could would have done this and now going forward i think it would set me up in better opportunities jared what's what's been like one of your favorite hunts over the years Oh man, I've had so many good ones. It's really hard to pick one of them. I mean, I did Alaska in 2020. That was yeah. You killer. and Ernie went out. Yep. Yep. Caribou in Alaska. Um, the North Dakota for whitetail two years. That was a blast. Um, six year in Maryland was a blast. It's like man, it's just they're all so different. It's hard to pick one. Um, done mule deer in Wyoming and now blacktail in California. And I can't really pick one, man. It's so <laughs> tough because. There are all, there's so many different aspects to it, you know, besides just the animal, but you know, there's so many opportunities to do so many cool hunts in just the lower 48. You know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy how how many opportunities you have. I know that, uh, Kentucky one, you do not, uh, recommend early season. (laughs) And I'm not a fan of the early season Kentucky. It's just so hot, man. I'm just, I don't know. Did it once and I don't. I don't know. I kind of started thinking last year, maybe I should do that again to see (laughs) much as I, as I thought, but I don't know. I'll probably talk myself back into it at some point. (laughs) Well, I I think too, this past season, our two good friends, Tim and Tom, they were supposed to go out to Nebraska when the guys were out there earlier this year. And I, I forget when it was, but it was like 98 and like for like that whole week and Tim and Tom were both, no, we're not going. It's just, we'll, we'll, we'll go some other time. Yeah. yeah that, that kind of heat. Yeah. But. Uh, before, before we pivot to talking about Iowa and some other stuff, kind of just another fun, random one. Give me like someone that you would love to maybe share camp with and maybe someone that you really enjoyed having in camp that you've already ca- had camp with. So, I would really like to go on a hunt with Andy May. Um, I'm good friends with Andy. I talk to Andy a lot and I, I just, I look up to him so much. Like I want to be Andy May when I grow up, right? <laughs> <laughs> go do a hunt with him. Just pick his brain. Cause he's just, he's got so much knowledge. Um, as far as sharing camp, uh, I've had some really good camps. Um, Man, the guys that I've went to California with the past two years, they're it's it's hard to beat those guys, man. They are they're just 
top tier. They're just super good dudes, fun to hang out with, and just the kind of guys you want to have on a like a backpack type hunt like that. So uh, Aaron and Cisco, those two guys are probably two of my favorite. I mean, everybody I hunt with, you know, I have such a good time, but those two, I, you know, I always really look forward to getting with those with those guys. Well, what, talk a little bit about California, I guess, because you hear that, you know, and, you know, everybody's probably like California, you know, obviously if you saw the videos and all that stuff, but, you know, what is that like in experience? Like, where are you hunting? And, you know, a lot of people that think California are not thinking, hey, I'm going to, you know, go book a hunt there. <laughs> yeah, for the, the Eastern Whitesail Hunter, California is <laughs> for like an out-of-state trip, but it is so, and like California is, it gets a bad rap, you know, there's a lot of bad things that go on and, you know, but when you get out of the, the cities and, and all that, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's just a beautiful place and it's got a ton of different hunting to do. I mean, you got muleys, blacktails, turkeys, great fishing, just, it's kind of got it all. So we did Northern California. Um, we did sea zone the first year we bow hunted and we only got to bow one day because basically the whole state was on fire. So that kind of screwed us up, but we decided this past year, we were going to go back. We we're going to do a backpack hunt into a wilderness area in B zone and rifle hunt early September in the high country of California. So we went and did that. And in middle of September, if you believe it or not, it, we almost got snowed on at our elevation up, the ridge that was a couple hundred feet above us got hammered with snow. So that kind of tells you like we yeah. were in, we were in some rough stuff. It was you know, super steep. You know, I've been to Wyoming and Colorado and done backcountry hunts, you know, in Wyoming at least. And every bit as rugged and wild as, as in those Western States. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. It really is. That's awesome. Dimitri, would you yeah. ever do that one? I'd probably, yeah, for sure. Like hit Northern California and then kind of just work your way somewhere else and kind of keep the, the trek going. I like that. What what other, did you hit anything on the way back home, Jared? No, we flew for that one. Okay. So, yeah, I come back from it and uh, basically jumped right into Iowa, getting ready for Iowa. So All right. Well, that that's perfect transition then. So it's it was what, four years, five years? How many points did you, uh, you know, years ago, did you kind of get this dream? Like I'm going to the Mecca. Yeah. So I've, I had four points going into the draw. Yeah. I just kind of decided whatever, four years ago, like I want to do Iowa. So I'm going to start putting in points. So did it (laughs) (laughs) that easy. Right. So then Cause you hear like that, what is it? The uh, Southern part of Iowa that is like the, you know, crazy. And then there's a couple counties that are obviously like the huge, you know, the, the perfect ones, I guess you could say that people try to go for when, how does that planning go for? Like you said, then from you go from like four or five, six day hunts to now you're like, I'll hunt until I'm like, I'm not coming home until I have bone with me. Right. So just, Lay it out there, man. Like walk us through your thought process about maybe going into it. Yeah. So I I really didn't treat it any differently than any other state um, other than just, you know, keeping it in the back of my mind, it's Iowa. So maybe hold my standards a little bit higher. I don't know. It doesn't take a buck to 
So, but no, so I met, um, I'm sure you've heard of Rendell Eric. He's yep. on a lot of podcasts, super good dude. He's helped us out with tethered. Um, I actually met him at the Iowa show, um, like three years ago and we stood in the booth and talked for hours. Just a super good dude, super down to earth. And told him, you know, Hey, I got a point or whatever for Iowa. And he was like, well, when you draw, I'll help you out. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so. You know, he, I became good friends with him. You know, we talk almost every day, you know, he, he's a great hunter and just bouncing ideas, uh, you know, between us is, is always really good. Cause you know, I, I learned so much from him, but, um, he, he helped us at a couple other shows and, you know, we just become good friends and, uh, you know, I, I put in for Iowa this year and, uh, I drew and he was so helpful in this hunt. You know, I got to give a lot of credit to him because he, he really helped me out and I hunted a zone that he, he's very familiar with. So, um, he did a lot of scouting during the summer. I wasn't able to make it out because I just had a crazy schedule with, with tethered and everything this past year. And, uh, you know, he, he went out and did some glassing and looked at some areas and put trail cameras out and stuff. So he really did a lot of work for me and he did not have to do that. I didn't ask him to do that. You know, I told him, I was like, you don't have to do anything for me, you know, but if you do, I, I certainly appreciate it. So he was a big part of this hunt and, uh, you know, we kind of just planned to hunt together just to, you know, make one trip. And, um, but really there wasn't a whole lot of planning. Um, I found a campground, drove my truck out. Um, it was like a 15 hour drive for me. Um, just plan to sleep in the back of my truck and hunt every day and just try to get it done. So that was, <laughs> that was pretty much it really. I try to keep it pretty simple. So going into it, like you, like you said, you're super excited. You build that relationship. Rendell's been on the podcast, had a chance to work uh, the Iowa event with him this past year, fellow teacher, again, wonderful individual. Like you said, you know what, when you got there and you went scouting because like you said, Rendell was able to help you a little bit and you're, you know, what did that, did you find that tree that you were just like, Oh my, that is shredded. Like, what was that like? It wasn't a tree. It was a scrape. So we went into this, <laughs> this piece of public and it wasn't a super big piece, but there was, it was kind of ridge top with standing corn on it that had all these draws coming up into the corn. And he had been running a cell camera in there all summer and it hadn't really been showing anything. There was a couple, you know, like inch bucks on it, nothing super big, but he was like, let's go into this spot and we'll just walk back in there. We're going to get the camera and try to move it to a better spot. So we worked our way back in on this Ridge and we got back in there three quarters of a mile. It wasn't super far. It was an easy walk. It was all flat. We get back there and there was kind of an intersection where the two ridges come together that formed kind of an X and it was standing corn on all these ridges. And then you have all these thick draws that come together basically at this X. Okay. So right, right in the center of that X was a scrape that was literally the size, like half the size of my truck just ripped wide open. <laughs> I was like, and that was like within the first hour of being in, in Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's go kind of backtrack. What time frame did you did you go out during this this hunt? Yeah, so this was the twenty-fifth of October. Okay. So kind of in my mind, I figured 
I'd actually planned on going like for a early October trip around the 10th or so, but the weather just wasn't looking good. It was really hot and it just, it wasn't looking favor, favorable, you know, for, for good deer movement. So I just decided to kind of wait and was just kind of playing it by ear and just watching the weather. And, you know, we got to that 24th, 25th and it looked like there was a, a good cold front going to hit. So I was like, I'm going to go now. You know, I, I really like that end of October time frame because the bucks aren't running wild yet, but they're laying down a lot of signs. So that was kind of kind of the uh, kind of what I was thinking was get out there while they're laying the sign down, but they're not going crazy yet. Not that's to me. I, I have an easier time targeting a bigger buck when it's that time frame. So that was kind of my thinking for the end of October. Now, what sort of like terrain features or, you know, since you're hunting that end of October going into that hunt, so you kind of knew the time frame that you're heading out there, you know, what were you thinking as far as where you're going to set up and, you know, where you're going to do your scouting? Are you looking for bedding areas? Are you looking for those transition areas? Yeah, so we're kind of all the properties we looked at. I mean, we bounced around a lot and this is one of those hunts where, I didn't immediately jump in to hunting because I knew I had time. Right. So we went into it with a really methodical approach of, you know, get up in the morning, go out at daylight and just scout and just scout as much as we possibly could. I mean, we were hitting hill country, farmland, swamp. I mean, we were hitting everything like in every terrain feature or every habitat type you can imagine we were looking at it and then kind of, Kind of piecing things together from there to see what was holding the most sign and the area where we found that big scrape turned out to be one of the best spots we looked at and it was it's just funny to me because it was easy to get to the access was super easy and there was no other hunter sign in that area which just blew me away i've never been to a public public area like that where there's like that big scrape right on that field edge there's no trail camera on it you go to any other state, there's probably 15 trail cameras on that. <laughs> it's screen. all over. Yeah. yeah it's, they're, they're hanging up on the other side of the field. <laughs> for it. What? So that's a great question because obviously you had Rendell like kind of to, to help, but I mean, if Rendell did not help and you get there as a first time visiting Iowa, basically, I, I assume. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm actually in, in the woods. Yeah. Right. So when, would there any previous hunt maybe pop up in your mind that, hey, this terrain features, hey, this kind of, like, is there a hunt that you think could help prepare? Just because, like I said for myself, you have a, a plethora of ex- hunting experience compared to what maybe one day that I get a chance to pull that tag. So, like I said, hopefully I'm hunting Kansas next year. But if that's the case, you know, I only have these bits of pieces of states that I've hunted. And then it's like, holy shit, I'm going to Iowa. You know what I mean? So was there any previous hunt that you think like, okay, similar terrain, this could really help prepare someone to that mag, like obviously maybe not in that magnitude, but in that situation. Yeah. I mean, lots of States really, I mean, it, I was pretty diverse. There's a lot of different stuff there and you can, you can honestly kind of pick areas that kind of match to what you're used to hunting. You know, there's hill country, there's farmland, there's swamp, so it really has a little bit of everything. So that's really cool. So um, I'd say, you know, I hunted Indiana last year, which was a lot of like farmland, smaller woodlots. Um, it was 
some of the areas were similar to that. Then we hunted areas that were similar to Kentucky. You know, I hunted LBL in Kentucky, areas that were similar to that, areas that were like North Dakota, you know, that kind of flat farmland with, you know, marshy stuff backed up to crops, that kind of thing. So it, it honestly had a little bit of everything, which was really, really cool, I thought. That's nice. I like that. That's, that's helpful just because, like you said, it's just – you, you build that up in your mind and then it's like you see that and then obviously that credit card pays for that tag and then, you know, then it's it starts to sink in a little bit. So, like, run us through, like you mentioned earlier, I guess, like from scouting up and, and bumping that buck and then how you guys came up with your game plan and, and execute it. Yeah, so we were looking at the weather. You know, there was supposed to be a really good cold front hit. You know, I'm looking at the 10-day forecast before I even get out there and there's supposed to be a really good cold front hit. Well, I get out there. And that completely changes, and the wet is just going to keep getting warmer and windier every day, and get up into the like low 80s, which is not good at all. So, we base our scouting a lot uh, on the fact that the weather was going to be hot. So we were looking for water sources, um, which we we actually found a couple that were kind of in these CRP draws, these little water holes that were just had tons of sign in them. So we were just banking all of these spots. We would scout every day. And it seemed like every day we scouted, we would get two or three more spots. So every spot we found, we liked, we figured out the access, we figured out the tree, like figure it all out. That way we know. And then, you know, we know we've got all these spots based on the wind and the weather conditions. So we were really, I was preparing for the long game. You know what I mean? Like yep. if I'm going to, I didn't want to have to drive home 15 hours and then wait for a cold front that might not come. You know what I mean? Yep. So I was just going to stick it out and just hunt through. So I was really trying to look ahead and plan for that. And I think that's one thing we really did well on this hunt was I, I feel like me and Rendell made a really good team, you know, a scouting team because, you know, I, you know, I'm be humble when I say this, but you know, I kind of know what I'm looking for and that he knows what he's looking for. And then, put our heads together and we could really break down a property pretty quick, which was, was pretty nice you know, being able to do that. Nice. So what day did you end up bumping him? So we bumped, we bumped that buck. It would have been like the, maybe the third morning of scouting and uh, found some really good sign in there. And then um, me and Rendell both hunted that spot. Um, the next morning to try to catch that buck coming back in. But we, we never did. We saw some smaller bucks in that spot, but uh, no big boys. But, um, you know, we can kind of get into uh, the buck that I killed. And that was, we, you know, Rendell was familiar with this spot. He'd run a camera in there in the, in the past, but hadn't really messed with it at all, you know, this past year. So, we kind of threw a blind sit at it and he was like, you know, we'll go into this river bottom and uh, we set up based on the wind for a, you know, it's a good kind of a funnel or the, the river made a bend where we were at and based on the wind, you know, it made sense to set up right there. So we went in that morning and set up blind and uh, it was about eight thirty. I looked across the river and there's, it's just a small little strip of public that's the woods. And then the field is private. Okay. So, yeah. So we looked across the river and I spotted a pretty decent eight point working his way back into this strip of timber. There's an, there's an oxbow in the river back in this pocket. 
So he's headed toward that oxbow. So I look behind him, there's four more bucks, and they're all kind of single filing back into this oxbow. And the buck that I ended up killing, the big boy, he was in the back, kind of acted like he was pushing those other bucks. And that was the first mature buck. Um, I think that was morning number four, I think. You know, it's pretty early in the hunt. But it was it was cold that morning, really crisp morning, really nice. And uh, I spotted this buck. And, you know, he's, he's 150 yards away. And I'm just shaking uncontrollably. I mean, it's, you know, the biggest buck I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, I finally felt like I was in Iowa. Like, you know, holy cow, like there's a, a giant buck. Like, you know, this this is real. It's getting real now. <laughs> Did you utilize any trail cameras while you were there? And you were you incorporating that with your game plan? Because I know some people do, and then some people just don't feel like they have the time or, you know, are able to to utilize them during that time, maybe that because it's a shorter duration that they're hunting out of state. Yeah, for sure. We definitely did. Um, you know, I had some cell cameras with me that we, that we used. Um, I actually put one on that giant scrape I was telling you about, and I'll have to send you some of the pictures, some of the videos of the bucks we got on there. It's just unreal. There was some, there was a couple of giants in that area. <laughs> yeah. So we were definitely using, using trail cameras, um, which I, I usually do on an out of state trip like that. You know, if I find some really good sign, I'll throw a camera up on it and, you're basically hunting another spot while you're not there. So you can kind of get an idea of what's going on. So I, I definitely think it's helpful. That's a good point. Just because, you know, we've talked a lot about that, that that's not really a point that we really touched upon yet. Dimitri is the, I mean, you guys talked about it, how you, you guys utilize them, but you know, with some other guests and stuff. So you usually do use those like in another out of state hunts, Jared. You're, yeah. yeah. Oh, several times yeah. as well getting you know you might only you only need one picture just to know where he's at and then using all those other clues from your scouting i mean you can it really helps you break down a spot pretty quick so is the stories true you could call in iowa you could do all that stuff and like 10 minutes later a booner walks by well i mean that basically <laughs> happened for me <laughs> <laughs> so so when all that buck that morning and he was you know i looked at the map and it made sense he was going back to bed all those deer were going back to bed on that river but watching his body language with those other deer like he was pissed off his ears laid back like he just had that demeanor like he was just not happy with those other deer in that area so um you know we watched him go back into that river and we just slipped out of there there was we we kind of talked about it. Me and Rendell talked about it. Should we slip across the river, try to pick a tree and put out a camera? And we went back and forth on it. We were like, Nope, we're not going to mess with it. We know that he went back to bed. We know that tomorrow morning, the wind is going to be the same and the conditions are going to be the same. And there's a really good chance he might do the same thing. Right. So, so we figured out access and everything, you know, from a distance, you know, we were across the river 150 yards away where we watched this deer. So we just slipped out of there and just kind of made our plan for the next morning. You know, I, I felt like I was in the game now. Like we'd seen a buck, we knew or we had an idea what, you know, he was doing. So, you know, you get those nervous jitters, especially on a buck like that. Like, you know, it, you might have an encounter with him. So um, I don't know if you've seen the video or not, but so 
what I didn't mention in the video or forgot to mention was that that field that those deer were traveling through was private. So you couldn't hunt that field. So it was, it made it a little tricky to be honest, because the way those deer traveled was right down that field edge. And I was thinking in my mind, I don't want to set up on that field edge. And I don't even want the temptation to be, to shoot a foot onto that private. I don't want it to be there. Yeah. So intentionally set up about 40 yards back from the, from the wood or from the, the edge of the field there. So we kind of, we slipped in in the dark. Um, we had to cross that river, which it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't, it wasn't deep or anything. So slid across there nice and quiet. Um, we kind of had an idea on where we needed to be, but you know, you're, you know, it always looks different when you get there. So we're kind of looking around in the dark and I can see all these trails that converge like right at this big tree. Okay. And I'm like, and, and it's about 40 yards from that, from that field edge. So I was like, you know, this is going to be the spot. You know, you it go. worked for the, it looked like you know, there was a good chance he could, you know, filter through there. So, um, you know, I got a cameraman with me, uh, Rob Mendoza. He was an intern with us this past year. Awesome dude. He, he just did a killer job, but we slipped up that tree. Didn't make any noise at all. Got set up. It just went too smooth. Like it was just too easy. We got up and, uh, got daylight and it was just a beautiful morning, frosty, cold morning. And it was about 20 after eight, which is exactly the time we saw him, you know, the previous morning. And I looked down the edge of that cornfield and I saw a deer coming and I put my binos up and it was that buck. I'm like, Oh man, here we go. <laughs> but he was, he's out in the private field, probably 60 yards. And he's just kind of paralleling, you know, that, that woods. So I was like, I'm going to have to call to this deer to, you know, if I want a shot at him, I'm going to have to call at him. So what I, you know, I'm proud of myself for thinking about this in the heat of the moment, but there was a big clump of brush in front of me and I waited to call until, you know, I waited for him to get behind that clump of brush. You can see it in the video if you, if you watch it, but I waited for him to get behind that brush and I turned my head away from him and grunted the opposite way. And I grunted the way that I wanted him to circle around so he wouldn't try to come in downwind of me. And I grunted, I think, two or three times. And he acted like he didn't hear it. I'm sure he did, but he he didn't really respond to it. So that's when I just did the nastiest snort wheeze I could I could come up with. And I mean, it was instant. That buck laid his ears back, and you can see it in the video, puts his head down, and I mean he's walking straight at me. <laughs> I mean, just straight at me, just a march. So he hit the edge of the woods, you know, he's 40 yards away and that trail that he's on goes right to the base of the tree. And then that trail splits. So he could go to my left or he could go to the right. So I'm hoping that he doesn't go to the left because it's going to be a straight down shot at like six yards. And I didn't want him to be that close. <laughs> so I come to full draw and I'm just sitting there waiting. He's already in range. I'm like, it doesn't matter which way he goes. He's going to get an arrow in him because he's, he's going to be close. So I'm just praying in my mind, please go to the right. Please go to the right. Cause that's like the easiest shot in the world. And he stopped and he's standing there licking his nose and he turns to the right. I mean, just perfect. <laughs> and he out on the trail, 10 yards. I mean, the easiest shot you could ask strong side shot out of the saddle. And I, grunted and stopped him and i mean just perfect shot <laughs> oh man 
I mean, I've seen the video, but like having you retell it, I'm, I'm, because I've seen it, I'm revisualizing it as you're saying, it, and it still gives me chills, man. <laughs> it's one of those things, like you know, I, I, as soon as the arrow hit him, I knew he was dead. I mean, it's perfect shot, and it's just, it does, it still doesn't seem real, you know, thinking back on it. But yeah, just, just absolutely perfect. <laughs> Everything. Oh, you, and I got him right. Oh, there, oh my see. gosh. <laughs> Look at that. Just split, bro. Shoot. My screen's real small, so I can't tell what y'all are looking at. But Oof. Yeah. Dude, congratulations. I mean, I know I texted you afterwards, but, man, congratulations <laughs> because that's, like you said, that's that's a dream hunt. That's an opportunity of a lifetime. And, you know, like you said, it's great that you had Rendell to bounce ideas off of and just, you know, kind of like you said, grind it out together. And, uh, you know, yeah. even just that, like you said, we had him on the podcast. We've texted back and forth, but meeting him at that, that day and listening to him speak either to other people or to us as a group. And, you know, like you said, it, it's just awesome to, to hear, you know, someone that is so passionate and, you know, what about deer hunting and knows his stuff. So it's just, that's just awesome. It all came together and man, you got your giant in Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Going back to Rendell, you know, shooting that buck that morning, he was just across the river from me. See, he kind of heard it all go down, and I waited for him over, and we all recovered it together. So that that's definitely, like, top five moments ever for me. Like, yeah. you know, just to experience that with him and Rob. And, man, that was just a good day. That was a really good day. <laughs> Do you think, like, with the pressure, like how you said you're so, so shocked that there weren't, you know, cameras all over the place or anything like that, what what can someone expect to like for pressure when they do that out of state hunt in Iowa? I mean, obviously certain places it could be worse than others, but you know what kind sure. of expectations the, could one have for that? Yeah, I mean, maybe it was just the area that we were in, but you know the pressure was pretty light. But again, it wasn't peak rut yet, so you get into November, I think the pressure is going to pick up a good bit. So, you know, maybe keep that in mind if you draw that tag to maybe go out just a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, that was kind of my thinking as well that, you know, people aren't going to be hunting quite as hard at the end of October. So I think that's a really, really good time to, to stick a big buck out there is kind of before everybody else gets after them. Right. So, yeah. Does the whole point process start again? Yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Now, was there any any negatives to Iowa? That, I mean, you had the perfect scenario and the perfect ending to your story, but, you know, because anyone that doesn't live in Iowa or never hunted Iowa, you know, you have this perspective of, you know, you can go out there and there's just monster bucks running around and you watch some hunting videos of people hunting in Iowa and you see all the good things that, that take place. And, you know, you didn't experience a lot of pressure or anything as well, but is there anything that, you know, maybe was amped up for you going out there and then kind of experience it? And you're like, uh, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the public we hunted was smaller pieces. Um, you know, whenever I go out of state, I kind of try to look for, maybe a little bit bigger places where I can, you know, bounce around a little bit, but I quickly figured out, you know, we did scout one place that was, was pretty good size, but we just didn't find the sign that we were looking for. So we just kind of just wrote that off right off the bat. Um, 
one problem I did run into out there that didn't get filmed, but I'd taken e-bikes out there for, for all of us to use me and the cameraman and, and Rendell. And we had problems with those right off the bat. (laughs) Very first night, one of them bit the dust. So, you know, I'm the kind of guy, I don't want to leave one guy without one. So, you know, we're all ditching the e-bikes. We're not using any e-bikes now. I hauled those things all the way out there for nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, they're still, you know, if you're after a mature buck, it's, you know, you, it could be really, really tough. I mean, Rendell's hunted all season and he's yeah. had a really, really, so there's still, there's still deer. The weather can still absolutely suck. And then, you know, you could run into pressure. So you kind of have to be prepared for all that. And, you know, I, I got lucky that I killed as early as I did because the weather really did turn to crap after I left. Yeah. So I, I luck. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, everything you just said, amen to that, because like you said, they're still deer, man. They still are, you know, trying to survive and, and, you know, not get killed by us and, and other predators. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, just because it's Iowa doesn't make them dumber, you know, yeah. there's still <laughs> every bit of areas anywhere else. So I yep. mean, it's not any easier in that regard. Did you have, did you have any expectations as far as like what you were going to hold out for? So I kind of had the 150 mark in my mind. Yep. Um, you know, the past two years I've been really fortunate enough to kill two other ones that are right around that 150 mark. So I was like, you know, it's Iowa. I've got the time. I think that was a big thing. Like if you don't have two weeks to throw at it, I mean, shoot whatever makes you happy. Yep. I mean, you know, just because it's Iowa and there's booners, you know, behind every tree, you know, that's definitely not the case. I mean, you <laughs> definitely got for them. And, uh, yeah, I had that 150 inch mark in mind. And, uh, when I saw this buck, like I immediately thought 160 when I saw him and he ended up going like 157 or a little, little over that. So, I mean, and I, and for Iowa, maybe that's not the biggest deer, but to me, that is an absolute giant deer. (laughs) I don't care what any. Heck yeah, man. No, man, dude, Jared, that's awesome. Well, to kind of like wrap things up, you hunted Iowa, you've done Alaska, you've, you've done, like you said, Wyoming. What's one state that you've yet to conquer or tackle that you would really like to? Oh man, I'm trying to think. I'd like to do North Dakota again. Um, Let's see. There's another stick that's kicked my butt a few times that I'm, that's slipping my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's been pretty tough on me. I'd like to go back to Kentucky and, and try it again. Um, there's lots of new states I'd like to do. I'd like to do Kansas. I haven't done Kansas yet. Um, maybe Nebraska. Um I'd like to do South Dakota at some point for, mm-hmm. you know, for something, either turkeys or deer or something. So, yeah. um, possibly New York, like some of the big woods stuff that I really like that kind of stuff too, that kind of backcountry type hunts. And I even have stuff here in West Virginia that I want to do. That's, you know, backpack type hunts. So that's, that's the kind of thing that I really like to do is that backpack, backpack style hunting. So there's, a lot of that, I think that's kind of an untapped thing in the, like the Eastern whitetail world. So that's kind of something I want yeah, to get into. That's what I was just going to say. Like all those hunts that you mentioned, like there's all so different, you know what I mean? Like there's so many different things that we could really do as a hunter 
and get out there and experience like the backpack, like heck Dimitri and I just did drove around and Tim drove around in, in Utah. We had a truck camp tent, you know, like you were in California. Then we're talking, you know, backpacking in New York. Like there's so many opportunities for us and it's so exciting. And that I've really wanted to do it. I've been trying for a couple of years is kill a buck using a boat on public. And that has been one of the tougher ones. The guy like Parker that, you know, he does yep. water access. Man, hats off to those guys because it's not easy at all. Like when you start throwing a boat into the mix after dark on the water, I quickly discovered this. I tried it this year. I, I bought a little John boat and all that, and I was like, I'm going to go in on deep on public land. Boat. It is a pain in the butt. <laughs> like it is not. <laughs> well, coming from someone that uh, slept in a spot to kill their deer the next morning, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> rather do that than than the water access thing man what state did you do that in the the water access or the the other one the other one oh that was that was here that was at home west west virginia that's that's this buck right here that that one yeah that's awesome man (laughs) dude that that is that's just awesome i love it well Jared, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time. Again, I, I've been so excited to have you on the podcast, and I know you know you're a busy dude. And during the season, it's you know it's tough to to get you know coordinated and all that stuff. But now's the time, and I just figured appreciate you taking the time to do this for us and and uh, chat. So, Dimitri, anything else before Jared goes? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, man. Well, where could people find you? Follow along that maybe obviously you know with well actually before we do that, one last thing. <laughs> One last thing. Any new piece of little gear gadget thing that you used this year that you were that you really loved? Oh man! So my setup was pretty much the same this year. Um, I did use a new 360 camera this year that I really I freaking love that thing. Like I I just really enjoyed using that. I I've run 360 cameras in the past, but this year I upgraded to the uh, the one RS one inch. It's the new one they come out with this year. And if you watch any of my videos, you'll see it from this past season. And you could just get some. If you're a self-filmer, that thing is just incredible. So let me, that was the one. Yeah, let me ask you this. Would you, as a self-filmer, ditch like having the handy cam and just run one of those? If you're just bow hunting, um, you could definitely get some really good footage if, if you're running that camera. Um, you know, you're going to have to be kind of creative with, you know, your B roll and stuff to kind of tell your story, uh-huh. but yeah, it, you could absolutely get away with, with something like that. If you're just kind of doing it for fun. Yeah, for sure. I was just curious on that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's good. All right, man. Well, where could people find you fall along at tethered nation and everything and all that stuff? Yeah. So all my videos are on, on the tethered nation YouTube and, uh, I've got a bunch of my old stuff on my flinging arrows channel on YouTube and, I'm jshave30 on Instagram, so that's where I post most of my stuff. So, yeah, hit me up. Shoot me questions if you have anything. So, glad to help out. Awesome, man. Straight killer, guys. Go follow Jared and, and everybody else over at Tether Nation. Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you next week. Till next time, Antler up.